Hello and welcome. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the Recovering Hunbot and this is Hey Hun, You Woke Up. I'm not really sure what episode it is. It doesn't really matter because I've interwoven part of my Notorious series, which is still underway. I'm still working on it. And I've also dropped that as a podcast. So this is going to be a video and also a podcast. Today, I am talking to my friend, Doug Brooks, and we are going to discuss some of the things that came out earlier this month in relationship to income claims specifically as it has to relate to market America and also this ruling that is about penalty and how that can be used instead of trying to go after multi-level marketing companies as pyramid schemes. So let's go ahead and welcome Doug to the show. Welcome, Doug. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to discuss this with you because my understanding is you know, about like this, since I don't have a background in it. But one of the things that happened to me, I guess it was at the beginning of November, because I have different Google alerts set up. And I saw that Market America had to take down a whole bunch of deceptive income claims. Now, during the pandemic, what we have seen is a lot of people joining different MLMs. And in Beachbody, over 200,000 people have joined. And that was a couple of months ago, which just absolutely blows me away because as a former Beachbody coach, I'm like, yeah, good luck with all of that. And one of the things that anyone in an MLM attempts to do is make it sound like you can come in here and you can start making money right away. And apparently, Market America this year alone, there was over 450 deceptive claims, many of them from the founder, J.R. Rittinger, from him, as well as other people who were distributors in it. Well, along with that, uh, that same day, I had an alert that's about the FTC commissioner's appeal to the Hill on Section 13B, which has to do with the penalty offense that the FTC can apply. And when I saw all of this, I was like, fantastic, because I mean, any of us that are in the anti-MLM community, I think we'd all like to see this um, business model, if you will, or it's so hard for me to even call it that. We'd like to see it just obliterated and go away because it's not doing anything good for most people. So I wanted to talk to you today about the deceptive income claims and also what does this mean if we can resurrect the penalty offense. So Doug, tell me a bit, because I know you have worked on the deceptive income claims. Tell me a bit about that and what you have done and how that is impacting people right now during the pandemic. Well, um, the, to, to go back to the, to the Federal Trade Commission, Federal Trade Commission doesn't, the, 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 the statute that created the Federal Trade Commission doesn't mention the concept of pyramid scheme. What the Federal Trade Commission Act says is unfair or deceptive acts or practices in trade or commerce are unlawful. And it leaves it to the, to the FTC to decide, well, what actually is a deceptive practice? What is an unfair practice? And how are we going to go about this? And the, the FTC, over the decades, has developed what sorts of things are considered deceptive or unfair. Um, and back in the 70s, it decided that pyramid schemes are a deceptive practice, which is 
uh, you know, a good thing for us because it, it, it clearly, it is uh, deceptive. Um, and once the FTC started uh, enforcing the law against uh, MLM companies that were uh, behaving this way, uh, the FTC basically had two, has two ways of going after companies. They can say that they are a pyramid scheme, or they can say uh, these companies are making deceptive in earnings claims, or they can do both. And most of the time, they actually do both. For instance, when they went after Amway back in the 1970s, you know, everyone has heard, uh, at least in, in our little areas, about the, the Amway decision and how Amway was found not to be a pyramid scheme. But in that same decision, Amway was found to be guilty of making deceptive earnings claims. They were also found guilty of, of antitrust violations. We can get into that uh, you know, another time. But um, so typically when, when the FTC prosecutes, and that, that, that pattern has continued right up until uh, today. You know, when they go after an MLM company, uh, they usually allege that it's both a pyramid scheme and uh, they, they, they say it's making deceptive earnings claims. Sometimes they just say it's making deceptive earnings claims. Back in the early 90s, they went after Newskin. They, they did not allege that Newskin was a pyramid scheme, but they did say it was making deceptive earnings claims and deceptive products claims. Um, when they went after Herbalife a few years ago, they didn't use the word pyramid scheme, although the, the, the complaint that they filed was you could have just all you needed to do was add the word pyramid scheme and it would have been a perfect pyramid scheme complaint. They just, they just didn't use that term, but they, they called the whole compensation plan an unfair uh, practice. Um, and the, the significance for the practical significance of that is that it is relatively difficult to prove that an MLM company is a pyramid scheme. It's, it's, it's sort of complicated and you need to look at how many uh, retail sales are, are being made and, and uh, uh, are they being made to really to customers or are they just distributors selling to other distributors, that sort of thing. It's a very, it can take years of investigation to get to the point where you can allege that a company is a pyramid scheme. Alleging that a company is making deceptive earnings claims is comparatively a lot simpler. All you have to do is, is say, well, here's what the company says about its opportunity, and then here's what the actual experience of distributors is. You still, if you're the FTC, you still have to do an investigation. You still have to figure out um, how many people really make an income that's comparable to what the claim is. Um, but it, I think you can tell it's a, it's a, it's a lot easier from, from, a, from a regulatory point of view to, to, to make that uh, to make that claim. And one of the things that is 100% certain in this area is business opportunities or pretend business opportunities like MLM, they don't get sold unless someone makes an earnings claim. There's no way that any of these opportunities get sold unless someone is saying to the prospect, uh, you're going to make a lot of money at this. Maybe it's going to be a specific dollar figure. Maybe it's going to be a lifestyle claim, like you know you're going to pay off your mortgage, or you're going to be able to retire, or uh, 
you know, whatever it is, you've, I'm sure you've seen hundreds of them. Um, and if you've, if you've been involved in, in MLM, you've probably made earnings claims because that's the way you, uh, you recruit people uh, for the most part. So it, it is 100% uh, it, it uh, or as near as 100% as you can ever get that these companies could not operate without making earnings claims. The other point to make is that any earnings claim that, a, that a, an MLM company makes is almost certainly going to be deceptive because there's such a tiny fraction of people who participate make anything uh, approaching a real income. Uh, if you say anything about, about the potential for, for earnings, you're almost inevitably going to be making a deceptive claim because it just, it just isn't going to pan out. I mean, unless you tell people, well, you know, if you, if you join this company and you spend, you know, X dollars a month, whatever the requirement is to, to, to get involved, uh, you've got a, maybe a 1% chance of, of making real good money. I mean, I don't know how good that, that pitch is as, as a marketing. I, I think I'd rather buy a lottery ticket and I probably have a better chance of, of, of success at my lottery ticket than, than at participating in this, this uh, MLM opportunity. So those are, that's the, uh, the, long, the long version of, of, of the, the sort of the two routes that the FTC can take when they go after an MLM company. Well, you know, what's interesting is when you bring up the deceptive claims, because a lot of time, in my opinion, I think that kind of comes out in their stories that people will tell. And even it can be people who are not necessarily really making a livable wage, but maybe they've sold a little bit, but they try to make it sound like bigger than what it is. Because that way, more people will be attracted to it. That seems to be one of the pitches is to tell the rags to riches type story of how basically my life was terrible and, you know, I was living in a gutter until this opportunity came along, which is in itself deceptive because yeah. it's impossible to, for most people, unless you have a ginormous network to experience the success that they claim, but that's very alluring to someone if they are in a um, vulnerable state, like how many people are right now, like I was when I joined, you know, Beachbody back in the day. But I, you know, I'm kind of wondering this, the, um, most companies do not put out an income disclosure. And those that do, because I've looked at a bazillion of them by now, you can just look at that and tell exactly who's making the money and it's not the people at the bottom because they're feeding the machine. It's the people at the top. Sure. Do you think that if this penalty offense is brought back, that the FTC would be able to look at these compensation plans and the income disclosure to be able to say that you're making a deceptive claim? I, I absolutely, I think there's two different issues in there. The, the, the 13B issue that you mentioned, um, let's put that aside a minute because it really, it's more of a technical, it's a, it's a procedure that the FTC has in its quiver. I mean, the FTC, the statute is sort of complicated. There are a number of different routes that the FTC can take when they're trying to enforce um, that 
unfair or deceptive standard. Um, so let, let's put that aside for a moment. The issue of, of the deceptive earnings claims, I absolutely think that that is that's already a, a means that the FTC has to 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 go after both the companies and the high level people that are making these claims. I would love to see the FTC do more, not only against the the companies, but against the high level people who are the you know the the one percent of the one percent that actually are making a lot of money at this because they they are. Uh, as guilty as the companies, the, the system, the MLM system wouldn't function without both the companies and the high-level people. That's, there's this always been this symbiotic relationship between those two groups. The companies need the high-level people, the high-level people need the companies, they need each other to, to do uh, the damage that, that, that they do. Um, and, you know, there's another sort of whole whole set of issues is that that that, that relationship is 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 very uh, fraught. But I think the FTC should be more not only aggressive against going after MLM companies, but aggressive in going after the high level, uh, the quote unquote independent distributors, who in many cases are, are the ones that are making these um, these deceptive claims, and they're training their recruits. To make these claims, I know in, in a number of systems that I've looked at, uh, you're taught to, you know, you should you should develop your product claim, your story, and you should develop your income story. And of course, this is a ridiculous for you know you're you're recruiting someone who's, who's made little or nothing from this, and they're supposed to go out and recruit other people um, to to uh, join this income opportunity. They barely know. What it is, or they, you know, if they're if early on, they don't even they have no idea what they're what they're doing. But they're still, you know, you got to keep that recruitment engine, you know, rolling along, and that's 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 how it works. Um, the the 13B thing, that that story that you mentioned, um, this is uh, something that that uh, is affecting the FTC not just in the MLM area, but in in. It, the way it proceeds in general, there was a decision by a federal court of appeals, uh, the Seventh Circuit, which covers uh, Illinois and some of the other Midwestern states. And that decision said that the way that the FTC has been prosecuting companies for, for decades um, is they've been misusing the statute, according to the court. Um, and the statute gives the FTC the right to seek an injunction. An injunction is like an order to, for a company to do something. And very often with an MLM case, for instance, they, the FTC will seek an injunction to shut down the company. But what they generally also do is they seek an order of restitution, which is money to pay back all the losers. And what the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals said is, no, you can't, you, you, the FTC, cannot seek restitution as part of these, one of these injunction cases. You've got to take another route, a more complicated route, to go after uh, these companies. Now, this is a, this case is going to go to, it's, in fact, I think it's being briefed before the Supreme Court and you know, God knows what's going to happen there because now we've got, uh, you know, a very conservative uh, anti-regulatory uh, Supreme Court. So I'm, 
I'm very concerned, and I imagine the folks at the FTC are very concerned about what the Supreme Court is going to do with this. Um, if that decision stands, it will definitely, it'll force the FTC to, to take a, a different route. And that article that you saw was one of the ways that they could do it. They, 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 they have this, they've had this statutory authority for a long time. They just haven't utilized that, that, that particular section. So I, I have a feeling this is getting a little bit on the technical side for, for, for your audience, but I mean, that's, uh, I, I, it, it is a matter of concern because, because of we have the Supreme Court we have for all the reasons that we have it. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm going to be watching that case very carefully to see what happens. But in the meantime, the, the encouraging thing from that article is that at least the, the, the Democratic uh, commissioners of the FTC are taking a very good, hard look at MLM uh, and in particular, multi-level marketing deceptive earnings claims. And I think there's a good chance with a new administration uh, in January that we're going to see uh, a lot more uh, you know, productive activity by the FTC against MLM companies. Um, because you know, the, F the FTC is a commission composed of five people, three from the the uh, party that, that is, controls the presidency and two from the other party. Um, so we're going to see a shift uh, in, in the control of the FTC. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that that shift will favor uh, a, a, more, a, a more comprehensive approach to, uh, uh, to uh, enforcing actions against MLM companies. Now, let me ask you this because those of us who are critics of this type of, you know, the business opportunities offered by multi-level marketing, network marketing, direct sales, whatever name they want to slap on it, because they always like to change it up because we're not this, but they actually are. Because if you look like a duck, walk like a duck, quack like a duck, yeah. you're a duck. And they're all ducks. Yeah. Um, but just the average person and people who are in the anti-MLM community, because the FTC and the DSA, that's the Direct Selling Association, in case anybody you know watching doesn't know what that is, it's kind of like, well, who's really guarding the hen house? Because there seems to be like this back and forth between the two organizations. What can people do so that the FTC or I don't know, just um, a miracle of some sort comes along and we're able to put more pressure on these companies and stop them from taking advantage of people. Because I think that's the big thing is that the average person wants to be able to help out. But oftentimes, and I've done a video on how you file with the FTC, you know, and all of that, but they don't necessarily take the steps. What are some things that we can do in the anti-MLM community, those of us who are content creators and also people who are not content creators, what can they do to help with that shift so that when there is that transition in the FTC, that maybe there'll be more eyes on multi-level marketing companies so that there's more opportunity for actions to be taken? Well, one thing is um, write your congressman. Um, these days, it's actually fairly easy. Most, most uh, representatives and, and senators have websites where if you are in their district, 
you you can you can send them an email and tell the, tell your story right you know uh, you know go go through and it doesn't have to be in legal language it just it, you just have to make the point that you know you 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 thought you were joining a real income opportunity you turned out it turned out to be a scam uh, the FTC you know the, the thing about the FTC is you know they do a great job when they go after a particular company but they don't have the manpower to go after a thousand MLM companies and, and as you say they are all they all do this I mean every time you look at, at one of these MLM companies you find the same things you find deceptive earnings claims you find uh, you know one percent of one percent are, are making uh, a lot of money and the vast majority are, are losing. Um, and they use the same techniques, the same lines. You see the same marketing pitches and they just change the names and they change the, the, the titles, and, but it's the same stuff and it's been going on for decades. And what the FTC has been doing is they say, well, we're doing a case by case, case approach. So we, we, we hear about a problem and we go after that company. And we hear about a problem, we go after that company. But what about the whole industry? What about the fact you shut down one company and those high-level people that are so important, what they do is they migrate to other companies or they set up their own. So it's a big game of whack-a-mole. Uh, and, and it's going to continue that until the FTC has the, the resources and the political motivation to, to go after the whole industry. And that's what, what needs to happen from the government point of view. Now, aside from that, I mean, what you guys in the anti-MLM community are doing, I think is, is wonderful. I think, it's a, I think it, is, it is a breath of fresh air because now with, with the internet and with, you know, with uh, the, the ease of, of looking up uh, companies, the, the key thing that you guys have to do is make sure, I don't know, I know the term SEO. I don't know, you know, the, the, the technology of it all, but, but I know that the, the MLM companies are masters of, of that search engine optimization and they, they manage to sort of bury bad reports about themselves. Um, I, I don't know, you know, you've you got to find the, the, the tech guys who, who will who will you know raise your your hits up to the first page you need to be in that first page of results so when someone is looking up Beachbody or Market America they don't just find the pablum that the companies put out about how wonderful their opportunity is or the, the top level distributors doing their marketing things you need to have the bad stuff rising to the to the to the surface so that someone who uh, you know, is, is at least doing a minimal job of research in, into a company, they search for the company and they find you. And then you just tell your story, I mean, like you've been doing, but you just need to be farther out there. Um, well, I, I think because there is so many people on YouTube now creating videos about anti-MLM that, I mean, our videos do come up when you put in, you know, different keywords, because it's all related to the keywords within, you know, YouTube for the SEO and all that sort of stuff. But I do think that is making a difference because I know at least on my videos, and I, I can't say which ones off the top of my head, but I do have people all the time 
who will say, oh, I am so glad I found this because I was just about to do X, Y, and Z, or I did join this and this is what happened to me. And so it gives that opportunity for people to not join and also another opportunity for people to say, this is my story. And also like I told you before I hit record is I do have those people who are claiming to be successful. Maybe some of them are that 1% of the 1%, I don't know, who want to come in and they want to like try to discredit those of us who are critiquing and criticizing, you know, MLM companies. But they don't really have the power because we don't have to allow them to basically spread their little janky ways, which they try to do, because it's more about giving that information to people who are about to join or they did join and they had a horrible time. And now they're feeling like that they were the problem, which they weren't because it's the system. So there is some of that. I think that's happening with, at least within YouTube. Now, in terms of just, you know, Google in and of itself, I, I don't know about that, but I do know a lot of people do turn to YouTube to look up this, these companies, which I think is fantastic. And I do know that overall, um, the anti-MLM movement within social media, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, I mean, just, you know, name a social media platform, more and more people, it's even on TikTok too, because I've seen some of that over there more and more people are speaking out about it, just like how social media allowed multi-level marketing companies to explode. Well, now there's a whole bunch of us open our mouths who are telling the other side. So I think it's, it's something that can help, you know, push them down and not let them continue to grow, even though there's always going to be people who are going to be wanting to join because they believe in the dream that's sold to them. And or they're vulnerable. I mean, that's yeah. what you asked about what's going on with the, with recruiting and, and, and COVID. I mean, there are people who have, you know, they've lost their jobs or they're, they're underemployed or, you know, they're, they're, they're hurting and MLM. I mean, part of the pitch has always been, you know, we can solve that problem. You know, we can provide you with a, a stable income and, and a residual income and, and, you know, retirement it's a it's not a, it's not really a business it's a retirement plan you know you just have to recruit a few people and then you can just relax and sit back and watch the checks roll in i mean that's 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 always been the pitch and it's particularly uh effective when people are hurting and and it's you know and and you know you need money to 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 get into these things but um you know the 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 marketers are, are masters at getting people to spend their last dollar on these, uh, these supposed opportunities, which, which really uh, are, are anything but. And they, they're, like I, like I said before, they are uh, really no better and probably worse than lottery tickets. You know, what I find interesting is because as I continue to dig into this, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos I've done in my Notorious series, which is going through the top leaders at one point when they were with One Life, One Coin and MLM cryptocurrency. I think I started that. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen the whole thing. It's a fascinating story. It really, um, it, it, it combines both the MLM and, 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 a, and a whole another series of, of, of scams. And, and, and the, the, so I, 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 I will definitely take, take a, a longer look at that. 
it's so dark and there's so many different, um, I could, I would just say problems involved with each one of these leaders and what you were saying earlier about how they'll leave one opportunity and you'll know, go to another one. And that's exactly what happened. Once Ruja Ignatova vanished in 2017, these top people, cockroaches, you know, they just like scattered and you see some of them start, they will join some of the same things or they will join one and then leave it. Or, and like you said, they start their own thing. And those people, especially these people that I'm doing in the notorious series, I look at them, they're professional scammers. The people who are like the stay at home moms and even some of the top people like say a beach body or whatnot, I don't see them at that same level of scamming. It's almost like there's this, you know, the scale and you got the stay at home mom over here. And then you have someone that's like Ruja Ignatova who started this MLM. And then you have all those top leaders too. And it's just kind of like this very weird kind of scale of the scam scale, I guess, which maybe one day I'll do a video about the scam scale because I do think that does exist. But I do think that oftentimes in anti MLM, people misrepresent scammers because using the word scammer in your title, on your thumbnail, that gets people's attention, but they don't really know the depths of what true scamming is. For instance, in the one coin thing, and I will, I'll probably end up interviewing Daniel. Daniel did basically, I mean, his last dime and I, I can't remember, he's in Uganda, I think, and sold his, um, family's last three goats so that they, he could join one coin, lost everything. And that, I mean, that, but I look at that level of scam versus like beach body, very, very different. But I feel like those people who do join, who are like at the top could be on the trajectory to become like what those people are that were top leaders in one life, one coin, which is frightening to me. It just, it just, it just, makes my blood run cold because I don't always think that people who even start having success that they realize that that's what they're becoming because they believe in what they're doing so much. They don't see that what they're doing is problematic. Have you seen the, there's a, there's a ebook called Merchants of Deception by uh, Eric Scheibler. Um, he was an Amway distributor back in the, uh, in the 80s and, and 90s, and he rose to the level of Emerald, which is fairly high up. And supposedly, if you're an Emerald distributor in Amway, you know you're 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 made. You're, you've got a full time income. Um, what he explains, and he goes through this his his whole process, his recruitment, and then his rising through the ranks. He was, he, he was uh, far from making a full-time income. He was, uh, I mean, he'd be going up on stage and talking about all the money and he, he was getting big checks, but he was spending a lot of money to get those checks. You know, I mean, that's one of the, the things that is not revealed to you is, is that even when you start making a, a, a decent income from your commission checks, you are spending a lot of money uh, bringing people, you know, recruiting people, bringing them to meetings, you know, doing all the things that you're, that you need to do to, to, to keep that recruitment en- engine, you know, rolling along. Um, he actually ended up declaring bankruptcy and, and he wrote a book about, you know, how he, how he realized that he was, not only was he 
uh, a victim himself, but he was recruiting other people into this thing. I mean, he, and, and he felt bad about, uh, about what he was doing um, and decided to tell the story. And I, it's worth, even though, you know, it's, it's a, 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 you know, we're, we're talking it's, uh, of experiences, you know, 25 or 30 years ago, it is still relevant today. It's still going on. I mean, the, some of the, the techniques now use the internet, but um, this was all, all of everything that happened to, to you it happened decades ago to, you know, it, it, it just, it hasn't really changed that much. It's just MLM is very good at just taking each new technology that's developed. Communication technology is used to, to the same end or the same marketing pitches are, are, are used. Um, but I would remember another, another uh, important book from that era is uh, um, uh, Ruth Carter's book, um, Behind the Smoke and Mirrors, Amway Motivational Organizations. Again, she, she, she sort of peels back the, the, the layers of, of deception of, of how Amway distributors are really making their money. What she demonstrates is that a lot of them were making money not by selling Amway products, but by uh, running meetings. You know, they were charging distributors to go to, go to these meetings um, and, and selling books and, and motivational tapes. And a lot of the high level folks were making more money in that business than they were in the real uh, supposed uh, Amway uh, business. None of them were making money uh, uh, doing the Amway thing. Um, so I, I, that, that whole, that, that feature of the, the, the victims are also the perpetrators mm-hmm. that you are trained to deceive other people before you realize what you are doing, and then most people, once they realize it, like you, they 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 get out of the 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 the, the business. Uh, but there are always a few, like you say, who 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 you know rise up and once in, and somehow they people have I think an unlimited ability to sort of deceive themselves as to what they're doing. So you know, no one thinks of themselves as as uh, evil, you know, they, you know, they always, you, you, you know, you, 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 you always come up with some way of justifying what, you, what you're doing. And these, the, the, these folks that, that rise to the very highest levels, they have figured out ways of, of, of uh, justifying what they're doing to themselves so that they can uh, sleep at night. But, uh, There's definitely some mental gymnastics that they're having to do again and again and again, which is which is frightening, you know, it, it truly is to me. Now, I think one of the things that's happening now is, um, is a lot of the companies that I've looked at, people are not necessarily selling the motivational tapes and stuff, you know, like what you said, they will promote like, you know, different personal development that you should be reading, blah, 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 blah. But they're offering courses, which, you know, always my spidey sense goes up because as a professional instructional designer, I actually know how to create courses that are going to teach something. But these people, I've I've looked at so many of them and it's like, they're so poorly designed that they end up oftentimes being a way to, and I've done, you've 
you know about my videos on Darren and Mike, how they have used a course to get people to then join a magic. And it's, it's a crappy course. You're not really learning anything. It's just a way, another lead magnet for them to get people to join them. So I think there's been a shift from the things that were used, like the, the tapes and everything in the past to doing it now, like through courses in different ways, because like you said, you know, MLMs are really good at being able to leverage technology, the latest thing that's come on and they get people to do that. And then it becomes monkey see monkey do. And everybody is starting to do the exact same thing over and over and over again, just like, you do in terms of the overall recruitment scheme. Yeah, that, but that, you know, that, that, that characteristic of the personal development courses or, or you know, whatever they are, that, that industry has, has sort of grown side by side with the MLM industry. And there's a lot of crossover mm -hmm. and it goes again, it goes way back. Uh, it's sort of shocking to me now that saying it, this to you, how long this has been going on with really no one, you know, shutting it down completely. Um, but, you know, just to take an example, way back, one of the big MLMs back in the 70s was something called Coscot, K-O-S-C-O-T, Interplanetary, and they sold cosmetics. But the guy who founded Coscot, Glenn Turner, also had a personal development uh, company called Dare to be Great. And Dare to be Great was ultimately became a pyramid scheme as well. But these things grew side by side. They, they, were, they were feeding off each other. And the Dare to be Great personal development, you know, improve your life, improve your marketing, improve your skills type of thing was a feeder into the Coscott Interplanetary, the MLM selling uh, cosmetics. So this, this, this sort of this, these courses, this, this feature of having MLM people also selling courses, again, it's been going on a long time. And, and it's another reason why, you know, the FTC's approach of, you know, going case by case, methodically going after one company at a time, it's great to shut down that co particular company, but it's not, it's, it's not shutting down the whole industry. And the whole industry, I, I you know, have this, I, I don't see an industry here that needs to exist. You know, we, this is not a, if, if you were developing a product and you wanted to find out how should I distribute this product? Should I franchise? Should I uh, go to a big distributor? Should I, should I sell mail order? You know, you wouldn't pick MLM as one of the ways of, of, of selling this product. It's just, it's not a very efficient uh, or, or effective way at selling a product. Uh, MLM companies are founded primarily by distributors. It is a, a marketing plan in search of a product. The product really doesn't matter. The products may be fine. They may, they may, you know, be perfectly adequate cosmetics or what, whatever the other things th th that they may do. But that's not the reason the companies exist. The companies exist because of the compensation plan they are recruiting distributors. They are in the business of selling business opportunities that are in the business of selling business opportunities. Um, and the people that are going from company to company, I mean, they may be selling cosmetics one year and they may, may be selling water filters the next year and they may be selling, you know, God knows what the, the, you know, the year after that. It doesn't really matter. They figured out 
how to recruit people. They figured out how to run that, that recruiting machine uh, so that they, they rise to, to, the, uh, to the top. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what I find so, I guess, fascinating and also disturbing is it's one thing to look at multi-level marketing companies here within the U.S. versus starting to look at them, you know, worldwide in different countries. Because the problem that we have is bad enough, but it's not just here. It's, it's everywhere. And so let's just say we shut them down here. These people would still be able to go to a different country and yeah. start one of these things again. When you got, you talked about the guy who sold his last three goats to join an MLM. I mean, that is, is distressing. I mean, here we are, you know, in this country, I mean, there are, you know, the the MLMs cause a lot of damage, but, you know, we are such a rich country that that there are a lot of people that can afford to lose a a few thousand bucks uh, and chalk it up to experience. But you go to Africa or, or Asia um, there are people that are they're putting their life savings into these things, and that is is totally distressing. Um, and and it, for the most part, these are U.S. companies that are doing this. There are some that are are clones that have that you know people have figured out how to do them, but uh, a lot of them uh, are, are are U.S. companies, and they've realized that they've they've they can't really recruit effectively here anymore because people like you are out there or they, they, you know, people have, you know, enough people have been burned. So they're going overseas and they're going, they first, they went to Europe and then they went to Asia. Now they're hitting Africa. uh, And everyone wants to go to China um, and they'll bribe their way into China if they, if they can. Um, And it's, it, it is, it's definitely become a worldwide thing, but it's one of the, one of the shameful things that the, that the, that the U.S. Uh, 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 economy has done is to create this scam and let it run wild uh, throughout the world. So what could we do that, let, let's just say that magically poof, we've been able to shut down MLMs in the U.S. You know, just let's pretend that. That would be fantastic. But then again, they would go on to these different countries. Because if we can't just stop here and just worry about only the U.S. because of everyone else. What can be done for the rest of the world in terms of having these things no longer exist? Well, the rest of the world very often, I mean, I mean, this may have changed somewhat over the past few years because of the, 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 the miserable administration that we've had. But a lot of countries do look to uh, U.S. laws as as a model for 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 what to do, and and when they're uh, a new business is coming in, they they look at uh, you. They don't always always follow them, but they they do. Uh, you know, people pay attention. So if if the FTC did a, a an effective job at at reining in this industry, I think there would be a lot of regulators in other countries that would uh, would tend to follow suit. Because I mean, one thing that's clear is that the, the 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 pattern of recruitment and loss doesn't change based on what country you're in. Um, it's the same thing. It's going to happen and has happened uh, everywhere. Um, and in fact, because most of these companies are U.S.-based companies, um, when when an MLM uh, uh, expands overseas, 
the, the top level US distributors are still the ones that benefit the most because they are at the top of the, of the pyramid. So they are, um, so here, here we are, we're not only exporting this, this scam pattern of activity to other countries, we are sucking money from, from those poor countries back to uh, these, these wealthy, high-level distributors who, um, who are at the top of the heap. Um, so, it, it, and I think at least, you know, in, in, in countries where, where the regulators are paying attention, uh, if we had an effective regime uh, over here, I think they would pay attention. Um, and, and, but maybe they'll go ahead and, and, and shut, you know, shut things down, even if we aren't leading. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that that uh, uh, that that, uh, that can happen as well. That, I mean, people are. I'm certainly hearing increasing reports of, of folks in, in in other countries who are getting clued into uh, uh, what MLM is all about, and and um, they just need they just need to be in a position to be able to do something about it. Oh well. If we have this shift, you know, in the FTC and they are able to take more actions than what has been happening in the past four years, do you think that will have an impact on other countries? Will they be watching what's going on and maybe follow suit and do some of the same things? I, I certainly, I, I think so. I think that's, that's the point I was trying to make is that I think that will, uh, I, I think people do pay attention. They are watching. Uh, and if something effective happens over here, uh, uh, I think you'll see a lot of countries following following suit, um, and it would be helpful uh, to to have you know sort of inter you know, an international uh, coordination. There are already uh, in other areas of, of the law there are international groups that are that that uh, uh, cooperate with these things. I mean, you talk about antitrust uh, 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 violations. There are um, you know, when, when there's a, they're very often these antitrust conspiracies are, are, you know, have international impacts. So you, and you can see uh, prosecutions by multiple countries against uh, uh, an international uh, uh, consortia of, of, of companies that are, you know, fixing prices or, you know, or, or restricting supply, whatever they're doing. So, uh, and, and there are other types of, of, uh, uh, of, uh, lawbreakers that that uh, that operate internationally and that, that there are international uh, mechanisms for for going after these so there's no reason why that can't happen with uh, with MLM it should be happening so what can people outside of the US do I mean you know we can report things to the FTC we can write you know our congressman what can people you know in the UK and you know Australia, what can they do to help their countries shutting down this type of um, structure? Well, certainly company, countries like the UK and Australia uh, have, um, uh, you know, they have government agencies that are, are supposed to uh, protect consumers from fraud, uh, analogous to the FTC. So in those countries, um, you know, people have the, the, the ability to go to those, those agencies or those prosecutors and say, you know, I've been ripped off or this company is ripping off people and, and similar standards uh, apply. 
Uh, I think the more serious problems are uh, with companies that countries that don't have as well developed uh, um, uh, you know government agencies that that are just you know go after fraud, um, or those that they have agencies but they're hopelessly compromised or corrupted. Um, because uh, the, the money that MLM companies can spread around uh, sort of overwhelms um, uh, the, you know, the, the, the folks that want to do, you know, do the right thing. So, um, and, and it's interesting, there have been a few prosecutions of MLM companies uh, for uh, bribing officials in China for the right to get in there and, and, and uh, do, uh, do work. Uh, and so, I mean, we have, we have a law in the U.S. that supposedly uh, uh, prohibits you from bribing foreign officials to, to gain a benefit. Um, and uh, that law, the SEC has used that law and going after, um, uh, and the Department of Justice as well, has gone after uh, companies like uh, Herbalife and Avon uh, and uh, a few others uh, that that have that, that have uh, essentially bribed uh, officials in China to get licenses to operate there. Um, so there there are mechanisms. I think it mainly it's the will that 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 needs to to be. And it's it's I mean the people again the people the victims in other countries need to do the same things that we were talking about earlier. They need to go to their uh, uh, elected officials, uh, and they need to complain. They need to speak out. They need to go on the internet in their own languages and and, and tell their stories uh, and and get their uh, you know get on that first page of Google hits or uh, well you know whatever whatever they're using. Um, but that's uh, I think that's that's the approach we've got to take. So basically be that squeaky wheel. If we all just keep, you know, talking yeah. and talking loudly and talking often about it, it's, you yeah. know. You got to know, you got to, you got to talk because one of the things that for, for many years was, was a feature here was that people thought if they failed, well, I, I didn't work hard enough or I didn't follow the plan or I didn't, you know, I didn't do the right things or this isn't for me. They didn't, they, you know, they didn't know the extent of, of, of the, the, People, the, you know, the, the people who lost money around them, you know, was, and, and that's one of the things that hopefully is, is changing, that people are finding each other and they're realizing that it's not because I'm a stooge, it's because um, this system was, could never have succeeded. You know, there's, there's no way I could be the best salesman in the world, but if I didn't join, join early enough, um, I would never uh, rise to the top. So now, I know in some of them, and I know it happened with one coin, is when some of these leaders would join, they would just like stick a whole bunch of people underneath them so they would yeah. automatically have that. And I, I'm sure that happens with all of them. It can, that's not a one-off. That is, you know, a method that is used so that they can show, look, this person is successful and yeah. you can be too. And just like um, I've done some some videos on some top level beach body coaches but when you start looking at their background they are all have some kind of a skill set that would have helped them and there was one who was um competed in like bodybuilding or bikinis or i can't remember exactly what and and i looked at that and i thought huh 
I wonder if they have like, um, what do you call it? People like in the field looking for who they can get to join the MLM and then make that person successful because it's all a ruse. It's all this smoke and mirrors and make everybody think they can do it. But the reality is not everyone can. Most people can't. But I'm dovetailing that into another problem that I see and definitely was happening with Market America, and it happens with most MLMs, is that celebrities will either be a spokesperson or they join. And when they join, of course, a bunch of other people are going to join underneath them. And I keep thinking, well, surely those celebrities are just like the average bear here. Like most people don't really know how deceptive these opportunities are. But what can we do so that they wake up and don't do that? Now, I do know, I'm thinking, oh, well, they're probably their vanity or whatever. It's like, you know, it's flattering that they could just make a lot of money in this way. But that's a problem. If you have someone with a big name and a big following, just like, oh, what was, um, she was on um, Charmed. She played Piper and I can't remember her name, but she joined Monet and then Black China joined Monet recently. And so these people who are doing that what can we do or can we do anything so celebrities stop endorsing these companies or stop joining them? Well, that's, uh, you know, that's a really great question. And I, 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 what I'm, I'm thinking of is what, uh, uh, I think you're familiar with this company called Nexium mm -hmm. uh, that uh, Keith Ranieri, who's now in jail, founded. And I, <clears throat> I represented Rick Ross in a case that went on for 12 years uh, that Nexium filed against him. Um, but one of the things that, that happened early on, in fact, before that lawsuit began, is um, Ranieri had gotten some celebrity, I think, I'm thinking it was, uh, I don't want to name the celebrity because I, I don't want to get this wrong, but, but it was a, 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 a young a, a woman actress uh, and who was going to speak at some Nexium event. And um, the publicity, uh, there was some publicity about Nexium being a, a, a cult, and she backed off. She, she canceled the, uh, the event. So celebrities, I, I think you're right, they, they don't know um, what they're getting into. I mean, often maybe they have a publicist or an agent who is, who is the person who, who gets them to, 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 to join these things. And I think uh, celebrities are certainly susceptible to, to public pressure along with everyone else. I mean, I, I don't advocate, um, uh, you know, being, you know, uh, uh, trolls, but I, I do think that, that um, uh, you know, a, you know, a, a well-considered correspondence to the, that celebrity or their agent or their publicist or someone to, to indicate, hey, you are involved, you are being, you, you're being set up uh, to uh, recruit people into this, this business where 99% where of people failed. You really want your name and your image associated with, with this kind of a business. Um, uh, I have no experience with that, you know, sort of doing that from, from the, uh, ground up, uh, but I, I I would hope that that, uh, that you know that would function to 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 keep uh, celebrities from from you know because MLMs love celebrities they love getting people they they uh, you know uh, they 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 hire sports figures or, or actors or 
uh, you know, other you know, prominent uh, uh, people to uh, promote them or to give them this aura of, of success, you know, even if the person is not, you know, they're not a distributor, but they are, um, they are endorsing them. And uh, they know, the companies know the power of that kind of uh, influence. So I think it's, uh, it's important that, that, uh, that celebrities be educated about, you know, what they're uh, getting into. Um, well, I think that just, you know, goes back to that's why it's important for people to continue to speak out against this type of opportunity, yeah. business structure, so that more and more people can learn about it. Absolutely. You know? Including celebrities, because they're, they're like you and me. They don't know everything. And, you know, I'm sure if something comes along and it's like, oh, that sounds good. Sure, I'll do it. They don't know the repercussions of their name being attached to something that ends up taking advantage of thousands, if not millions of people. Well, Doug, I want to thank you so much for your time. I always enjoy, you know, chatting with you and I appreciate your expertise. Um, so I guess, you know, again, it goes back to, we just got to keep on being a voice, be, be that squeaky wheel, be loud, speak out over and over and over again, because just doing it one time, in my opinion, is not enough. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta be out there and out front and tell your story and, 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 uh, you know, don't be afraid of, of uh, a lot of people are afraid of looking foolish because they got into one of these things. Uh, don't do it. What you're doing is you're helping people by, by, by saying, Hey, learn from my, my mistakes. You know, don't, uh, you know, don't feed the, the recruiting machine. Um, so I think, you know, you're doing great work and I, I, I hope you continue. And I hope that the FTC pays attention and, and follows, uh, follows your lead and, and takes, you know, takes a look at the whole industry and, and not, uh, uh, you know, not doing their sort of methodical one by one, uh, approach, which is going to take, which is never going to solve the problem. We don't have enough people all, you know, to be able to work on all of that. Yeah. But I'm also kind of hoping that the FTC, because especially some of the younger people that are, you know, social media savvy, Maybe, you know, my video, someone else's video or article or something on Instagram starts coming into their little bubble so that they start seeing that it's not just one company, it's hundreds, it's thousands of companies all doing the same thing, slapping a different name on it, slapping a different product out there, but they all operate in the same way and they all depend on recruitment and depend on the people who were recruited to continue to buy the products or services. Yeah, it is. It really is the same thing uh, over and over again. Well, again, Doug, thank you well, it's so great talking very much. With you, You're doing great work. Oh, thank yeah. you. I'm going to pause it now so that we can like, you know, chat for a moment. Okay. Well, I hope you found what Doug and I spoke about to be useful. I'd love to know your thoughts about it. Make sure that you leave me a comment and, you know, if you have questions, because I'm going to probably have more conversations with Doug because he has so much information to provide. And, you know, what are some questions you'd want me to ask him? What would you want us to discuss? Thank you so much for being here. And remember, you're beautiful and I love you.